Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Today, I want to talk about the power of chosen. Everybody say, I'm chosen. Did you know that God picked you? When I think of being chosen, I think of when I was, you know, little daddy, when I was like seven, eight years old, and I, we would play my favorite sport when I was in elementary. I didn't play very many sports. I was involved in extracurricular activities. Some of you know what I'm saying. But when it, during PE and stuff, I'd play a little bit of kickball. And I remember you would get the people lined up against the wall. You guys remember? And you would get lined up, and they would start picking. Like the, the guy that was already in sports, you know, he was already playing for the high school football team when he was in sixth grade. They were already recruiting him. If you grew up in Odessa, Texas, where I did, it was like all about the pedigree for football. So, you know, you have the athletes that are like, all right, I'm going to pick him. And you're like, oh, great, here we go. You know, here we go to the slaughterhouse. And I remember every time just thinking, if I don't get picked last, it'll be okay. If they will just pick me, like, in the middle. I mean, you don't have to pick me first. I mean, it's kind of obvious. Yeah, I'm probably not the best guy to pick first. But if you just don't pick me last, I'll feel a little better about myself. How many of you are with me? And I remembered as they would go through that line. I'm still dealing with the healing. And so I remember them going through that line. And I remember many times I was the last guy picked. Have you ever been the last one picked? But can I tell you today, that's not how God picked you. He didn't pick you by looking along the line and saying, well, I guess I'll take that one since nobody else will. No, Jesus came to rescue you because he saw your value. And he didn't just, listen, he didn't just pick you to come and and just be a part of of his little program and kind of down at the end. No, no, no. He came and picked you so you would have something to rule over. Your royalty. And, and, And our king, our God, has royal taste. Let me say that again. I said, my God has royal taste. So when he picks us, he picks us in mind that we are royalty. They can be kingly. They can be a queen. They can be a prince. They can be a princess. They're not just some, some uh, prodigal. They're not just some pauper in the kingdom. No, no, no. God calls us to royalty. And when he picks us, it doesn't speak of, of mere acceptance. If God just accepted us into his kingdom, that would be enough. Right? If he just said, well, I mean, you've, you've really blown it. I mean, you've really made a mess of your life. He doesn't look at us and go, but I guess I'll take you on my team. It doesn't work like that with God. It speaks of his desire for us. It speaks of his hope for us. Did you know that God has great hope for your life? That he didn't just take you because... He had to. It was his cosmic obligation. He's God. He has to accept me. No, no, no. He picked you. He chose you. And it speaks of his desire for you. It doesn't just speak of your, his duty. Are you with me? When I think of being selected, I'm always reminded when I think of kingship, when I think of royalty, I'm always, I'm all, my mind always thinks way back to King Saul and to King David. And if you know the story, Israel wanted to be like other nations. They wanted to have a king. And God said, I'm your king. Am I not good enough? And they said, no, we want a king. We want to be like other nations. We want a king to lead armies and take us into places. And they said, we want a king. And so the the prophet Samuel at the time said, okay, they're asking for a king. And God says, I'll give them a king. So he went out and he found this good looking tall man. And his name was Saul. And Saul was gifted, man. He was the best guy for the job. The scriptures say that he stood head and shoulders above everybody else when there would be a crowd. The scriptures tell us that he was good looking and that there was no one like him. 
I mean, he was the best guy for the job. But I got to tell you something about Samuel. It started well, but he didn't finish. I'm sorry, Saul. With Saul, it started well, but it didn't finish well. He made a lot of mistakes. He made a lot of foolish mistakes. He disobeyed the Lord. He did a lot of things that God did not plan for him. And so God said, I want a king that wants me. And so what God did is he said, I'm going to find me a king. And he went out and he started looking through the whole earth. Scripture tells us that God looks, his eyes are looking through the whole earth, that he's looking to and fro. He's looking, he's searching the room. He's saying, who can I pick to be? Who can I pick? And he saw this little boy. He was a young man, probably 11, 12 years old, maybe 13. And he saw him and he was out in the field and he was playing a little three-string guitar, singing songs to God and watching sheep. And he said, that one right there, he's my king. No qualifications, just a little red-headed ginger making rainbows coming out of his guitar, right? Riding a unicorn or something. I don't know. But I do know this, that David, that he saw David and he said, that's the kind of king I want. Not someone that's most qualified, but someone whose heart is engaged with me. See, God will often pick the most unexpected by human standards because he enjoys being the promoter. Because he enjoys being the promoter. See, you get more, because we were like, I could never do that. I could never do that. You're right. You probably never could. But God likes to pick the things that are in obscurity. And he likes to pick the things that nobody else would pick. He would like to pick you for things that you could never imagine that you're no good at because he gets more glory that way. And I love Isaiah 61. This is what Jesus came for. We could preach every week from Isaiah 61, and sometimes we do. But but it says this, that Jesus came to bestow on them a crown, come on, of beauty instead of ashes. You You deserve to have the crown of ashes, but he gives you the crown of beauty. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. A garment of praise. We talked about those garments last week. A garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness planted in the house of the Lord for the display of his splendor. See, when God picked you, it wasn't really about you. It wasn't about your values. It wasn't how solid you were. He picked you because he's good. He picked you because he's a good king and he's a good ruler. And he says, you know what? I want Jeremy to be the display of my splendor. I want Andrew to be the display of my splendor. See, none of us are really worth that. But Jesus looked and said, I pick you. I pick you. And how many know that there is a great power in being chosen? I love 1 Peter chapter 2. It says this, you are a chosen people. A chosen. Everybody say that, I'm chosen. You are a royal priesthood. Everybody say, I'm royalty. You are a holy nation. Everybody say, I'm holy. You can say that. A people belonging to God. Say, I belong to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people. Once you weren't on the team. Once once you weren't in the kingdom. But now, now you're the people of God. You're not a sinner anymore. Come on, you're not some little measly peasant person. Oh, woe is me. You're not that anymore. No, he brought you out of that. So get that off you. Stop living like that. 
Stop thinking like that. Stop viewing yourself that way. God called you out. He picked you. You were that way. You were that way. He didn't pick you because you were good or because you were righteous or because you had it together or because you were gifted or you were talented or you smart. He picked you because he's good. And he picked you because he wants you. God wants you. You understand? I mean, what, what a greater thing than to be wanted. You know, we've, we've been in ministry for a long time, and we've seen uh, young, young girls and young women live their lives wanted to be wanted and look for love in all the wrong places. Can I tell you, when God, when you realize that God is the one that wants you, nothing else really matters. Nobody else's want. Everybody else's want is so small. They don't want me. That's okay. God wants me. God! God wants you! <laughs> God wants you! So you're a chosen people. You know, one of the things about kings, if you understand this, now we live in a democracy, we don't understand this, but kings are not voted in. You don't go to the ballot box, that's, you know, America, we vote for a president, we don't vote for a king. A king is appointed. Kings are not voted in. Royalty, listen, is chosen. It's appointed. It's not voted in. See, it doesn't matter how many people check the box for your name. Because royalty is appointed. And can I tell you, we are approved. We're approved by God. And when I talk about being approved, I'm not talking about that thing you get in the mail that says you've been pre-approved. And you're like, you've been pre-approved for $10 million. Call this number. And you're like, hey, uh, yeah, I'm calling about the money. And they're like, well, can I have your social security number? Whoa, I thought I was already approved. I mean, you know, that's not really approval. We're talking about real approval that God said, I like you. I know how bad your credit is. I know how bad your history is, but I still want you. The word chosen is the word ekletos, and it means elected, selected, by implication of favorite. You're God's favorite. Whoa, what does that make you? I'm God's favorite. I'm God's favorite, Josh Brown. You're God's favorite, whatever your name is. You're God's, fa- you're God's favorite for your assignment. There's nobody else that can do what you're called to do. You're God's favorite. He picked you to do it. So he, he selected you. He had favor on you. All you have to do is go, yes. Oh. He likes you. He loves you. He wants you. That's it. That's the credential. He likes you. He wants you. He loves you. The end. Period. Well, you, what about when I was a young man? And he was a jumper, and I'm wasting my whole life, and I'm 40 years old, and I spent my whole life. He loves you, he wants you, and he picks you. And nothing, nothing you have done or nothing you will do can ever change that God wants you. He wants you. So when you're discouraged, one of the things that will make you encouraged is going, he wants me. When you're dealing with rejection, you can just go to the one who goes, I want you. That is good news. That's the credential. You didn't do anything to earn it, and you can't do anything to rob that desire from God. You can't do anything to take his want from you. 
Man, I think we need to understand that. We, we talk about the love of God so much. I mean, I think that can be very vague. But can I tell you, you're the wanted of God. You're a wanted man. You're a woman. A woman wanted. Woman wanted. Wanted, wanted woman. Come on. You're wanted. You're desired. You're loved. That's the credential. But what did I do to deserve it? Nothing. It speaks of his goodness, not of yours. So see, royalty comes one of two ways. By appointment, I select them, David. The other way that royalty comes is you're born into it. So, someone appoints you or you're born. Wouldn't it be awesome if you woke up tomorrow and you got a letter in the mail that said, hey, you're royalty. Come seize your estate. There's $10 billion in Belgium waiting for you in a castle. It's yours. And what if you read that letter and it was true? It wasn't one of those pre-approved things. (laughs) And there's money in the account. You would act different immediately. Your life would be totally transformed by that news. Can I tell you today, there is a letter. You say, well, I wasn't born into it. You were appointed into it, and you were born into it. Check this out, James 1.18. See, with royalty, you're either chosen into it or born into it. We are both. Here it is, James 1.18. He chose to give birth to you. That's why we call it being born again. We're born again into royalty, into the royal family. This is good. Sorry, kids. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, here it is. We, out of all creation, became his, became his prized possessions. We talked about this last week. You got that gold medal for swimming or you know, basket weaving, whatever you got that gold medal for, you're putting it up on display. Come on, for the display of his splendor. You are his prized possession. You know how it is, like you get a new car and you want everybody to see it. At least for a little while, it's your most prized possession. Come on, you show that off. And that's what God does. He says, I pick you. You're born of God. You can be born again to become my most prized possession for the display. I'm going to put it on the mantle. You know, like when you're when your three-year-old or four-year-old or uh, 27-year-old draws you a painting and you or draws you a picture and you put it on the refrigerator. That's what God does with us. We are His most prized possession. He's proud. He's honored that you belong to Him. You just got to be born into it. So you're chosen. Number two, you're royal. You're a royal priesthood. And we've been talking about royalty. With that word, royalty, actually means, and I was going to call this series this, kingly. I was going to call this series kingly, but I think I was afraid I was going to exclude the women. So kingly. You're a kingly priesthood. And we're going to talk a lot about priesthood in, throughout this series. But that means that you're kingly. You have a royal etiquette and posture. You're different. You're not snobbish. We'll talk about that. 
But you're a priest. What is a priest? A priest is an appointed and authorized person carrying out kingdom duties, bridging the relationship between God and man. Let me say that again. A priest, and keep in mind you're a kingly priest. You're not just a priest. That would be great. But you're a kingly priest. Check this out. An appointed or authorized person carrying out kingdom duties, bridging the relationship between God and man. You got the keys. When you were picked, it was for a purpose, and it was on purpose. And again, we're going to talk a lot about this throughout this series. But you are kingly. You're royal. You're a priesthood. You, you, God has a mandate on the earth, and you're part of that. It's a kingly mandate. So he establishes kings and, ki- kings and queens in the kingdom of God. When you come in, you're a king or a queen. You're not a servant. You are a servant serving people, but you're not a servant of the king. Jesus said, I'll call you friends. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I'll call you friends. Come on in. Rule the house with me. Come on. That's good. Number three. So you're royal priesthood. Number three, you're a holy nation. Now, when we say holy, some of us freak out, right? Because that means that you got to wear your skirt a certain length or, you know, can't wear any makeup or you got to cut your hair or you don't cut your hair or something weird like that, right? Most of us think that when we start talking about holiness. But you are holy not because of what you do, but because of what Christ has done. That word holy in some translations is, is translated this way, peculiar. Now, you know you're peculiar, right? And, and when we say that, we, we kind of laugh a little bit because we all know people that are peculiar. But peculiar just means that you're unique. It means you're different. Did you know that when God made you, he broke the mold? That there is no one like you. And can I tell you today that your assignment that God has for you on the earth is so specific. Nobody else, nobody else can do what you're supposed to do. Nobody else. Now, someone might do something that's real similar. But there's people, I believe, on the earth that will never be reached unless you say, I'm the holy nation. That word holy actually means set apart for purposes. That you're set apart. That God says, I pick you and I put you right over here. You're for me now. Off limits. They belong to me. You're holy. You're set apart. You have a kingly mandate. Listen, he calls us out. Ecclesia, the word for church. He calls us out, the called out ones, the assembly of the called out ones. This is what the church is. We're people that were called out. What were we called out of? Darkness. That's what it says right here. We're called out of darkness into light. So God calls you out, and he calls you in, into his marvelous light, into the place of revelation. Come on. Into the place of knowledge and experience. Into the place of love. God calls you out, and he calls you in, and then he calls us to. We're his priest on the earth. So God calls us in. He says, come on, you're mine. I want you. You're mine. Darkness, get off. You like that? It's about as, how's it go? Darkness, no more. He doesn't, devil, he doesn't belong to you anymore. He belongs to me. Shame, he doesn't belong to you anymore. Sin, he doesn't belong. He belongs to me. Reserved for my purpose, I called him out of the darkness into the light, and I'm sending him forth into the earth, sending him forth to do what only he can do, what only she can do. The things that I have assigned for them, I have a kingly mandate on my holy nation. They're mine, and I'm reserved them for myself. 
And it's interesting how all these things work together. Because the last thing is this, a people belonging to God. See, God called you out, and he said, they're mine. They belong to me. What a relief. The people belonging to God. Once you were not a people, you know, we've heard this, well, all creation is the people of God. No, it's not. We're not all God's children. you got to be born in to be God's kid. Not just because you were born in America and someone called you a Christian because you, like, went to Sunday school one time when you were a kid. No, we're talking about you were born a second time. That means that you died to the old life. That means you were living. B.C., boom, A.D. You were living this way. That life is over. That's the reason why some of you, when you came to Jesus, addiction stopped immediately. It wasn't, no, it didn't work with everybody that way. But, but I know for me, that's the way it was. It was boom. I played the church game. I kind of flirted with the light a little bit. But when I came to Jesus, when I was, I was playing games for about a year and a half, two years in the church. And when I came to Jesus, it's like a switch went off. I was born a second time. My life was totally different. I'd run into friends at school. They'd be like, what happened to you? I was like, well, I died. And then I was born. I experienced the resurrection. They will be, Hebrews chapter 8, I'm sorry, yes, chapter 8, verse 10, talks about the new covenant. And in the new covenant, the kicker is this. I will be their God, and they will be my people. I will be their God, and they will be my people. See, the old covenant was based upon the ability of people. The new covenant is based upon the ability of God. The old covenant was based upon our faithfulness. The new covenant is based upon his faithfulness. The old covenant was based upon our goodness. The new covenant is based upon his goodness. Our good works versus the finished work of Jesus. And when Jesus said it's finished, he made that old covenant obsolete. Read it right there. You can read it in in Hebrews chapter 8. It said the old covenant became obsolete, null in effect. It is no longer good. The only thing it was good for you to is to get you to the point where you died and you were raised again. When you were born again. It's obsolete. It was totally based upon you. But he said, that doesn't work. Read it. Romans, Hebrews chapter 8 talks about that. It, said it was broken. It didn't work. Because people come in. I'm the people of God. I'm not the people of God. Okay, today I feel good. I'm the people of God. No, nope, not the people of God today. He said, I'm putting an end to that. It's not going to be based on you anymore because it just don't work when it's based on you. So I'll make it based on me. So Jesus came, hung on a cross, and said, it is finished. It's over. And listen, when we realize that you belong to God, when we realize it belong, we belong to God, it changes our perspective Everything changes. It, it, it guides our behavior. And it empowers our purpose. God wants you. God wants you. And I believe today that there are many people in this room, and you've probably been living your life apart from God. You've been living according to your purposes, according to your goodnesses, goodness, according to your accomplishments, 
And God's saying, will you put an end to that? Will you allow your life and your identity not to be based upon you, but based upon me?